Yeah, I like Fury, to be honest. He's got a win, bro. Fury oh, he's going to get a win. I feel like he probably got knocked down. Like, he probably went into the fight and was like, fuck it, I'll get knocked down, make it entertaining. Hey, you see what happens every time that man gets knocked down. He comes back bro, ready to kill. Did you watch the first fight live with uh, fucking Bronze Bomber? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen. They, they had three fights. We're rolling? Cool. Started, Wolf. Audio's rolling? Test. Yeah, audio, audio's good, bro. Cool. You ready, Wolf? Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. All right, boys. Well, thank you for giving me the time to do another podcast. I uh, had Wolf on a few months ago, and it was just a fucking great conversation. And ever since then, I've been wanting to link back up and just shoot the shit again, man. This time, though, I wanted to have Mitch on. I know you, you and Mitch are boys. You know, you've been yes, a lot brother, of right there together. So I thought it'd be cool to just hear your guys' story, hear how you guys got together and how you guys got to do everything you're doing right now. So if you want to just like introduce both of yourselves and then we'll kind of dive into like how you guys met and like all the shit you're doing now. Yeah, bro. Sorry, my story hasn't really changed much. You know, still uh, the infinite banking king. <laughs> so The infinite banker. The infinite banker. The infinite banker. So um, other than that, I mean, it's so be, it's been a blessing. The past few months, ever since the podcast, things have just gotten better. Weird. Especially for our practice, our team grew exponentially. Uh, and the beautiful thing I like about our team is that it's not, we're not a thousand people. We're not even a hundred. We're not even 10. But it's like the few that we are, we are absolute dogs. We're, we're, we're killers. We're, we're very specific and very intentional about everything that we're doing. So I'm very excited for this ne next chapter and what it looks like for us because we're already, what we're doing today and what we're doing these weeks is already setting us up for 2024. And I'm very excited. And honestly, I couldn't ask for a better guy to be uh, with when it comes to in business. Uh, so how, how'd you guys meet, bro? Like, how'd you guys get together and like, yeah, it's like actually very funny. I'll let, I'll let Vince explain that because he explains it very well. Because uh, yeah. I meet a lot of people, but the way that he explains it, it's like funny. It's kind of <laughs> it's kind of funny how we met. Yeah, so uh, we met actually through a mutual friend. Uh, he owns a family office, and the first day we actually met was uh, during the Jake Paul and Nate Diaz fight. No, uh, there's the Silva fight. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. It was the Anderson Silva fight, which was super entertaining actually. And uh, same so, day I broke up with my ex, by the way. Oh no shit. Yeah. So, Motions were running for the day. The day. Crazy, man. Crazy. Yeah. I broke up with my ex, and then it's, it's Jake Paul, Anderson Silva. I'm thinking. You're twinning. Yeah, exactly. And then I meet this guy, and there's all these people, like rich-ass people. And we're, and we're at the, we're, is it the, the Suns Arena? Yeah, I think. No, I think Desert Island, Island Arena. Yeah, it was, it was over at Whiskey. Yeah, yeah, it was over in Whiskey, right? And so we had a suite there, and, you know, I invited some of my uh, some of my buddies out, and yeah. um. We, we connected actually in person for the first time on that day. And at the time I was doing short-term rentals. And so our guy, Taylor, who owns a family office, he was like, hey, Wolf has two units that he his lease is ending and he's looking for somebody to take it over. So I was like, cool bet. Like, let me go meet up with him, send me his number. And then it was over like in South Phoenix. And uh, we went, toured the, uh, the two units. And we just got talking about just like life, business, like all of our values and morals just aligned and um, started talking about what he was doing in infinite banking and finance. And I was like, oh, okay, I can get behind that. Cause um, I had been approached by a few different life insurance teams to sell, you know, like the basic stuff, right? Like uh, the final expense policies, death benefit, retirement. And when he got talking about what he was doing, 
it just like a light bulb switched and I was okay like I can get behind that and so coming from the creative space I had all these uh people that were in my network and that I had relationships with already I was like okay like now I have something else to bring into the mix right and so uh yeah we we joined forces and we just haven't looked back since we did not do Airbnbs together. Yeah, no, we actually uh, didn't end up doing that together, but we're working on something actually. Yeah, for yeah. that. So we're. It's kind of funny uh, the way that we're looking back. I ne- I didn't think, I didn't think we we would be doing the things that we're doing right now. You know, I think I told you this last time, but in my industry, I've been doing this for like about a decade. And it's been insane because every time I recruit someone or I hire someone to come do the business with me, they never stay. You know, they never do the things that we're supposed to be doing. They never, like, they never listen. They're not coachable. They kind of just end up, like, fizzling out and they quit, right? So that's why I never had really too much faith on it, you know. But I'm always just looking for partnerships, right? That's why I always do a lot of referral partnerships. And I think the original thought with Mitch was, like, hey, man, like, we should do some sort of referral partnership. You know, you have a, a pretty vast network and you don't have to come sell it with me. You know, you don't have to actually write the policies yourself, but if you wouldn't mind, you know, if you wouldn't be opposed to making additional income, just by referring some people over and some, making some quality introductions, then I think this might be a good fit. And that's when he told me, he's like, yeah, you know what? Actually, I've been approached by a bunch of other companies before and the way that they're running their system, it's never been attractive to me because it sounded so salesy and so predatory and stuff. As I, brother, I know because I was at those companies specifically right. yes. with those same people. And the way that I run my business, the way the right, the way that I run the that I run my company is completely different, you know. And then you know, what six months later, this guy has been the most loyal person I ever know. We I literally see him every single day. Hustling. Yeah, exactly. And we, we roll together in jujitsu. We go to the gym together. So it's like, it, it just made sense. So now he, we're 50-50 partners and sovereign assets. And I just, I, I couldn't be happier, you know? Yeah, bro. When we, first, you, bro. when we first linked up, obviously, like, I saw you on IG. I liked your content. And that's why I wanted to do a podcast with you. And I didn't know who Mitch was at the time. And then all of a sudden, like, you guys pull up. Mitch is there. Everything's like, you know. And I'm like, oh, who the fuck's this guy, you know? And I, yeah, like, ever since then, like, I see your guys' like, friendship, your relationship. And I'm just like, damn, like, that's that's dope as fuck, bro. I think I think everybody wants that type of, like, relationship, bro. Just somebody you can, you can not only do business with, but you can work out with. Hell yeah. You can do all this kind of shit with, you know what I mean? So, man, like. Kudos to you guys, bro. Like, like I, it's something that I always try to, I always try to do myself is like bring people, bring people in and build those relationships, bro. You know, because at the end of the day, like that's what that's what life is. It's just relationships, you know. So I tell like, most people this. You know how they say you shouldn't do business with friends and family, right? That's what they say. Is like, I disagree. I think if you can, and here's why. I think you shouldn't be doing business with all friends and family. But I think if you can find one person that you're friends with that you can actually do business with that is going to be the catalyst because why would you do business with someone that you're not friends with yeah right why would you try to grow a company with someone that you don't you're not friends with right yes i understand expertise is is more important right but if you don't have already a good relationship with that person i think it becomes very transactional and there's really no loyalty and at that point people just jump ship once a paycheck is being shown right like if like if i'm offering higher commissions you're going to switch boats you know that's why one of the biggest things and i think you you said this. I, I forgot who you t- who you who you said this to, but he he said even if I was getting paid ten percent commission, which is 
not realistic, you know, in our industry, we don't get paid that low, right? But even he's like, he's like, even if I was getting paid ten percent commission, it's like I would still not switch, you know, even if I was getting offered a hundred percent. He's like, because like it's like that relationship with Wolf is is what what what's keeping me in the industry, you know? Because again, you're a creative, right? I mean, you can speak to, on it to yourself. I don't have to explain it for you, but a guy that's been in an entertainment and creative direction getting into finance is like almost unheard of yo mitch when did you um when did you get started with like your your media business and like the entertainment the content like all that kind of stuff because that's super interesting to me like especially the past few months i've been like really interested in it when did you get started in that yeah for sure um well i think being a creative really started when i was like a kid right just messing with my mom's camera when i was like eight ten years old making skate videos and action sports, little skits, you know, just making TikTok videos and dances before TikTok even existed, yeah. right? Or even Instagram for that matter. And something about being able to watch what you filmed like in playback, even on like the little screen on the camera was just like fascinating to yeah. me. It was like, wow, I can actually like create ideas and like be able to watch it in physical form. I think that's kind of where it started. Um, a lot of it started from like skateboarding and action sports. Uh, but I started doing media professionally when I was probably around like 19 and I'm 28 now, so almost a decade. And things are just now starting to really sort of uh, snowball. I would say just within like the last year, things have really started to kind of progress. And I've cemented my my place as sort of like a professional creative and for long enough now to where I have like a resume and people know what I do. And so it's one of those classic cases of the 10 year overnight success, right? Like uh, I always like to attribute an example like Russ, the the musician. I've had the pleasure of meeting him a couple of times and you know, he was putting out singles every week. You know, this was like almost eight years ago, right? And um, just that consistency. And he was making music for like 10 years before that. And it wasn't until like his ninth year where things really started to just like explode for him. And so uh, everybody's, I, I, I really try not to compare my timeline to other people's just because everybody has their own story and somebody might find success in their third year, their fourth year, right? And it might, you might be sitting there thinking, oh damn, like I'm, I'm behind, right? What, what am I doing wrong? But every single mistake, every single thing that you're going through is leading up to what you are becoming and who you are now. So uh, I'm grateful for all the times where I thought about quitting and just kept going because, you know, what if I quit in year four? What if I quit in year six, right? I wouldn't be sitting here. So I'm, I'm super grateful for that. Yeah, brother, the the creative like process is, is super fascinating to me. Um, like for me personally, I went through a few years where like I was really focused on like self-improvement, fitness, working out and all that kind of shit. But I got I got to a point where I, I just I wanted like a creative outlet. I wanted something that, to like express myself and like do something unique. You know what I'm saying? So that's what the podcast really is for me is just like a creative outlet, get to meet people and get to like do something different, you know? So what what um like what's one of the biggest takeaways you've gotten from being able to meet people like Russ and like all these kind of creators, you know? Yeah. Tell them the people you've met, bro. You got yeah, a, hell yeah. a pretty impressive like lot of people you've met. I mean, I don't want to name drop like a shit ton of people, but I, I've definitely, I, I mean, I'll talk about some of the ones that have been public because I've posted them on online, but um, Russ, obviously, a lot of people in the entertainment industry, like Post Malone and like Dan Bilzerian even, just like- No, I saw, I saw a all, video of that. Yeah, so- Aaron Paul, bitch. <laughs> 
I love Aaron Paul. Shout out Aaron Paul. I love that show. Breaking Bad's like one of my favorite shows of all time. So getting to meet him was was like I was trying not to fanboy. So right. <laughs> freaking love that show, man. Um, but I think one takeaway that I learned from just meeting people people from all walks of life and different industries was dude, at the end of the day, they're just humans. And some might be up on their high horse, some might be down to earth and uh, you really never know what you're going to get. I know some people say, hey, you shouldn't meet your your heroes, but it's really case by case, right? Some people are going to treat you some type of way. Some people just want to be treated like another human and they don't want any type of special treatment. And they just, they almost prefer sometimes if you don't know who they are, yeah. right? Because they're so used to everybody reaching out to them for something or um, wanting a picture. Like a lot of the times when I'm, um, working or around people that are famous i wouldn't even ask for like a photo just because i know i'm probably going to see them again and i know that if i do see them again uh it's going to be a lot more genuine of a interaction because i try to make an impression and you know hopefully they remember that and you know just leave my character on the table and yeah treat, like, treat them like normal people yeah, yeah just let my character shine and just treat them like how i'd want to be treated fuck yeah dude um, so you guys are building this team. You got a new building here. Congrats. This is a beautiful spot. Thanks, bro. Um, yeah, there. Like, what's the process of building a team, bro? Like, what, what are some of the things that you focus on? And, like, I know we talked about it a little bit, but if you want to expand on it a little bit. Yeah. Like, what are some of the main things you look for? And, like, just the whole process of building a team, what's that like? Yeah. So, for me, I've noticed my biggest weakness was that I was giving everybody a chance. You know? And that's why I recruited a lot of people and then none of them stood you know like they no none of them stay no none of them stayed because there was no sense of vetting right and it's not like i'm actually hiring them for a job right it's is i'm it's pretty much like a um talent acquisition for my business right so if for some reason based on my experience it seems like if people don't have this illusion of selectivity it's like they don't take it serious. So what I've noticed that's been able to work wonders for my team specific, our team specifically, is that anybody that wants to join the team, because they see the Instagram, right? They see, they see the fancy stuff. They see that we're doing cool shit, and they reach out. It's like, hey man, I wanna, I wanna join the team. I wanna, I wanna do what you do. I'm like, okay, cool. Um, I'm not the one that's gonna make that decision. I'll pass it on to Mitch. Because he's the guy that's more level-headed, that can read people a lot better. Because I'm the type of guy that will give anybody a, 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 an opportunity because that's what I needed. I needed somebody to give me an opportunity. And one thing I, I needed to understand is that not everybody is like me. I'm an immigrant, came here with nothing. I needed an opportunity to make everything happen, right? And unfortunately, not everybody's like that. So... When I toss it on to Mitch, Mitch is more of the of the guy that's like, okay, like I hear you, you want to join, but it's like, go deeper. Like, why do you want to join? What's stopping you from not switching teams, from going to a different place? Like, are you actually like, are you money hungry? Are you like loyalty hungry? Like, and then we give them homework too. You know, it's like, we, we kind of have some certain criteria that they have to come back. And the biggest thing, the biggest homework is actually showing up to the second interview call with Mitch and some people don't show up and that's why they're not part of the team and some people that do show up that come with the homework they're part of the team and every Saturday we have trainings here I'm in the trenches with them always trying to figure out ways to increase our productivity and increase our deal flow you know 
And and that's pretty much it, man. It's like the, the biggest question that I always ask, and I think I told you this, right? It's like two questions that are kind of personal, but I need to know. What's your biggest financial loss that you've suffered and how did you recover from it? And what's your biggest personal loss and what did you do to cope with it? And based on their answers, and I'll understand. For example, on the financial loss, I'm not really necessarily looking for someone who's lost $100,000. I'm looking for someone who has lost a substantial, you know, like it could be like even $1,000, $5,000. Substantial to them, yeah. Yeah, substantial to them, right? And understand how did they go about it. Because in this industry, so many people, they switch sides, they switch companies because they're chasing what? A higher commission payout. And they don't understand that it's not about the commission. For example, I'm making less commission than some FFL agents, or should I say most of FFL agents. However, I can, by the numbers, guarantee that I'm making more money than a lot of them. And I'm not saying this to be cocky. I'm just saying because of the way that my system and my business works. It's different than how their business works. And I'm not here to, to bash FFL. I'm just saying it's all about a comparison. And it's not about how much you make. It's about how much you keep. So that's why for me, I want to know, is is this person going to fold at any sort of financial hardship? If that's the case, maybe we're not a good fit. This business is tough. You will lose money sometimes. You will lose clients. And it's not the guy who's the better salesman that will outlast. It's the guy who's a better communicator, who's a better server servant to the client that's going to outlast the one that has a little bit more resiliency that's what that's what that's what allowed me to outlast all these years there's been times that i've been shitting my pants you know my back was against the wall and somewhat somehow some way i've been able to move forward i've been able to make it out you know and that's like Loyalty is the biggest thing, bro. Loyalty is the biggest thing. And we can dive into a little bit more on the funding side, but funding is the same thing, bro. Business funding, we get paid extremely well. It's like ridiculous how much money we can make in funding. However, it's one of the toughest, most stressful businesses out there. Because not only are you dealing with banks and lenders, you're dealing with borrowers that treats you like you don't deserve to get paid because you're just a middleman, right? Which I can understand. But it's it's also one of those things that you wouldn't have access to this capital for your business if it wasn't for us. The fees that we charge, even though they're very, very low compared to the industry standard, people sometimes try to nickel and dime us for it. And that's why it's a very stressful environment. Some people try to backdoor us. Some people try to not pay us. So it's like, it's one of those things that it will take us like three to six months to close a big deal, right? Like for example, we, we just did a cannabis raise uh, over the summer for $20 million. And it was one of those things where it's like, at any moment, we kind of felt like, fuck man, like what if this, this shit goes to shit? You know, like, or it doesn't A lot of close. times it does. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or like, oh, it doesn't close or, or, or whatever. Or the guy d d decides not to pay because he just got 20 million. He doesn't have to. Like, technically speaking, he can try to fight it in court because he's got 20 million. We don't. You know, so at that point, if it becomes a dollar battle, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. But thank God the client 
came through. He he paid, and it was it was a great feeling, man. It was a great feeling. So that's what I'm saying. It's like it's a very we're in a very stressful situation. And think about it this way, bro. My partner John, our partner John from Elevate Capital, right? He's seen this happen all the time, right? People say, "Dude, I want to make a hundred thousand dollars in a deal." It's possible. You can make millions off of one funding deal. It just depends on the size. But are you willing to endure the time that it takes for this? The stress, yeah. Bro, because you got to collect a lot of documents. You got to present it to some of the lenders. You got to go through a lot of underwriting and due diligence. You got to pitch your 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 fee agreement. You got to make sure that it's legally binding to make sure that you're not overstepping on your legal grounds, but also that it's legal enough for them to be able to be held accountable. Right. And then you got to go through the entire process that can take as quick as like 10 to 30 days and as long as six months. And at any point, it could fall apart for any reason, dude. It could fall apart because the guy just doesn't want to pay an extra half a point or because the lender decided to pull out at the last minute because market situation changed. It's like it's it doesn't matter. It's like any any tiny reason it could happen for them for the deal to go south, bro. And rates are high right now. Yeah. yeah. And most people they quit. When it gets when it's about to happen, they quit. We've had we've had five people in Elevate Capital that literally before this cannabis race happened, they quit. They quit. Pause it right there. Test, test. Everything good? Check it. Is that camera still rolling, Chad? Just want to make sure. Always like to just make sure everything's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be worried, bro. I had one time where fucking... We were like 40 minutes. Worst nightmare. Yeah. Still rolling? Okay, cool. No. No. I, want, I wanted to bring up a little uh, little topic. Last time me and uh, Wolf did a pod, you brought up being a steward. And I thought that that was interesting, bro. And I, I wanted to see if you could expand on that a little bit. I think it's just kind of like a life philosophy maybe for you or something, but talk a little bit about what a, what being a steward means. Yeah. Well, I pre first of all, I appreciate that a lot because uh, now that we're in a position to actually be stewards of our own money and our community, now that we're in a position that we can be stewards of our own community and actually give back, being a steward means like what we got, what we made off of this deal, it was not... Like, it only happened because God allowed it to do so. Amen. So the money that we got from it, being not being a steward would have meant, like, because we got paid a decent, like, very decent, bro. Yeah. Like, very decent amount. You, you know? are doing all right. Yeah, yeah, like, like more than all right. So most people would have went and got, like, a G-Wagon or just blew it on a crib, like, whatever, right? And the first thing I said, and I told this to Mitch, I was like, I want to make sure that at least 10% of this goes back to the church, to some non nonprofit organizations, something that just to keep us grounded is like, this is not all ours. You know, th that we have to keep our word because I told them, I, I said, hey, Mitch, like when we get this money, no matter what happens, first thing, we're giving back at least 10%, you know? And we did it. We went to church, wrote a wrote a check right in front of a pastor. A pastor was like, "What? What? Like, it was one of the best feelings ever because it's like, dude, like, I've dreamed, I've dreamed of days like this where we can actually give back and do something with it, you know." And then we had the gala, the uh, the 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 care.org gala, that not only we were able to be a sponsor, 
where we paid, you know, where we donated a, a large portion to the care organization, but also we were able to participate in the auction where it's again, it's more donation dollars. And <laughs> yeah, <he's, I'm, laughs> you want to tell why you're laughing? I'm laughing because uh, Wolf doesn't even drink and he paid like five grand for some uh, wine tour in Northern California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like, and it's funny because, a little segue. My mom, like, we, we paid for a table, right? We had, like, 10 people. And then, yeah, I don't drink, right? And my mom was sitting right in front of me. And everybody, like, is auctioning, you know. Uh, shout out to Top Tier Trader. Always giving back the most, you know. So uh, those guys were, you know, auctioning, like, you know, bidding, obviously. And I was like, you know what? Like, we're doing all right. Like, we should probably participate in it, you know. Even if it we don't win anything, you know, at least, you know, if we do, it's going to go to a good cause, right? And I'm bidding, whatever, and then I pretty much get outbid, right, by top-tier trader. <laughs> and then <laughs> that lady uh, comes to the table and is like, hey, I'll tell you what, I can only do this once, but I can sell this lot twice. She did. I'm like, all right. And whatever. Yeah, sold you like another like 500 bucks. Yes, yeah, sold me another 500 bucks. So I'm like, okay, it's the first time ever at an auction that I see that you can sell the same lot white. <laughs> but I was like, I didn't think about it. I was like, you know what? Whatever. It's going to a good cause because it's going to care.org uh, or the care organization. The care organization because it's two different ones that, are, that have the same name. But anyways, and it was it was funny because my mom was like shocked. It's like, what? You just spend 4500 dollars just like that? You know, and and it's just I don't know. It's, it's just cool to see. And also, like the next thing that was being auctioned was like a VIP experience to the Cardinals game. I was like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, we said it. We said it. You both that way. Couldn't wait one more. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but you know, it's it. All that to say is like, yeah, everything is cool. Like the the reactions are great. But the way that I see it is like, look, the only reason why we're in this position and we're we're gonna be able to, um get a lot more abundance in the in the coming months, you know? And it is actually almost unbelievable, like, what's what's going to happen. You know, I can't really share much of it, but it, it's almost like you got to pinch me and almost cut me for me to believe that this is actually happening, Yeah. right? But I'm, I truly believe that the only reason why that happened is not because we felt obligated to give back, but it's because we actually wanted to. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get real for a second, bro. Like, you guys asked me uh, before we started the pod, you were like, oh, like, why'd you want to do another podcast together? And the truth is, bro, like, one of the, th the things I, I like about you guys, man, is, like, you guys are obviously hustlers. You're doing cool shit. Like, you work out, you jiu-jitsu, all this kind of shit. But I also really like the just the way you guys approach life, man. Like, the philosophy behind it, like, going to church, like, all that kind of shit, giving back. Like, to me, it's it's a really cool, like, balance to see, you yeah. know? Because there's a lot of people out here who want to hustle and, like, want yeah. to make money and all that kind of stuff. But there's not a whole lot of people who, who do both, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Who are, who are doing both, if you know exactly. what I'm saying. So exactly. I, I just appreciate that about you guys, man. So No, I appreciate you, man, for yeah. recognizing that. And like I said, like, we're, we just, we want to do as much as we can, you know, with the resources that we're, we're given, you know, and, and like, whether we, we filmed it, like, we didn't film us, like, at the auction or, like, writing the check for, for the, for the pastor and stuff. But, I mean, like, now that you ask, it's important to know that it's like, we want to be able to give back, you know? That's why, like, any opportunity that I have to, you know, support a good cause or even just sponsor, like, for example, I'm sponsoring a, a, a new pro boxer from my boxing coach, you know? And I'm very happy to do so because not only he's helping me with, with boxing sometimes too, but he's a good boxer, you know? It's like, and I know he's going to be able to make it big. So, like, all he needs is just that extra little push, you know? Shout out Kenny. He's a fucking dog, bro. This dog, like, straight up. Uh, so, for me, I'm... 
the one of the biggest things is like, why, why do all this if you can't give back? Like, why? You know, it's going to get to a point that like, yeah, you're making all this money, but you're, you're just a vain person, you know? And even look, and I understand people's train of thought when they say, oh, uh, what's, what's honorable about filming or talking about the donations that you've made? Fine. The people that talk about it and brag about the donations, I understand. It's kind of tasteless, but who cares, dude? The organization that got the money, the people that needed the money, they got the money, right? Who gives a shit? Yeah. You know, let them be self-centered. Let them fulfill their ego because somebody else is at least benefiting from it that needs it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, because some people might say, oh, like these top tier trader guys, all they do is flex and they do is like just film themselves. Like, it's like, dude, who gives a fuck, bro? It's like, why? Why you got to throw shade on people that are actually giving back? Like, how much are you giving back? You're right. talking shit through your, on your couch about these companies because you're jealous that they're making all this money. How much are you doing in your community? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's like, I don't, I don't try to, I don't throw a stone from my glass house. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what that's what being a steward to me is. It's like I don't care. Like I don't care what people say. They might tell me, "Oh, you're talking about the donations you made. You're kind of being vain. You're kind of just like flexing what you did good." It's like no, because I know that I'm not gonna get to heaven because of my actions. That's not how you get to heaven, bro. That's not how I'm winning God's grace. But what I want to do is I want to make sure that God's proud of me. That's why I am more than happy and willing to give back to be a steward of this because I know. That the more I do well, the more my life is going to feel more abundant. You know why? Because when you do a good action, you feel good. Yeah. Which means you can perform better. Yeah. Right? That's that. That's what being a steward to me man, means. Because I don't do it like, oh, I did this. I raised $20 million for this cannabis. I raised $50 million for this health and wellness company in Dubai. No. Like, we did it because of God's grace. Because we were stewards. So the universe reciprocated by allowing us to get more opportunities that we had the opportunity to capitalize on it. That's my two cents. Mitch. That was really good, man. <laughs> what about you, Mitch? Did you like, where did you kind of get that philosophy from? Like, did, did you like grow up in like a, like a religious household or like where did you kind of get that philosophy from? So I grew up in a Christian household and throughout my life, I was always trying to justify like what the the logic behind faith was and why any of that mattered right because when you are growing up in it sometimes you're just kind of following blindly and you don't know really know why you're there or why you're forced to go to Wednesday night prayer meetings or why you're forced to go to church and wake up in the morning and go right but as I've gotten older um it's definitely something that was instilled in me early and so I just really kind of came back to it even even stronger when I became an adult because you know when you're a young adult and you're you're a teenager you're trying to figure out who you are and um you know everybody I feel like maybe not everybody but most people have a point in their life especially when they're in their teen years where they kind of want to go off the beaten path and you know, be a little bit more rebel and um that was definitely me I definitely had a longer rebellious period <laughs> than some would but uh he was a skater boy he's a skater boy. I was a skater boy <laughs> amongst other things and um but as I came to just stand on my own two feet in this world and um I'm so glad that my mom instilled the values and the morals that she did into me and my sister my sister is an incredible woman and um 
I, I, I don't even know what I would do without for God and, you know, my faith. And, um, it, it feels good to know that I can pass that along to other people and just let his light shine through me and, um, be able to be in a position to make a difference. It's, um, it's, it just makes me feel really good. And, um, it, it means a lot to me for sure. Yeah, bro. I think just, just having like a why, you know, having like, like, why am I doing this shit? You know, like, why am I getting up and, and working? Like, what, what's the point? And I feel like just having like that why is, is fucking everything. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, you know, to, to point out what you just said, that why is super important because most, most men, they, they tiptoe around life without a why, without a purpose. That's why male loneliness is at the, at the highest it's ever been. That's why suicide rates continue to go up. And the main reason why is because men don't have a purpose. It's not like they don't, it, it, they don't necessarily want to die. It's, it's just they don't have a reason to stay alive. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? It's, yeah. like, it's like most men... And I know this because that's how I felt for a long, and, and sometimes I battle with this this stuff as well too. But most men, they find themselves stuck in some sort of loop, and this loop, they cannot break it because they haven't found something that's worth living. They're not gonna actively go and and pull the trigger, but they're also not super excited to wake up the next day. Spot on, bro. Spot on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Again, it's like. When I post, because I post some stuff, right, that's kind of depressing, that's kind of, like, sad, and I talk about stuff like this, and most people reach out to me and say, hey, are you okay, bro? It's like, I'm okay. Like, I'm good. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to pull the trigger because I know the consequences of that, but I am not always super excited to wake up. Does that make sense? It's yeah. like, sometimes, like, I, I would be okay if I didn't, you know, and, and most men feel that way, especially the ones that don't have anything going on. It's not it's not because they don't they don't want to have anything going on. It's just simply because they don't have the outlet to have something going on for them. All they do is they go to work, they might go to the gym half acid, but they can't do anything else because they have to go to sleep, because the next day they have to wake up and do it the same thing again. Some people it's like we, we we've been put in into this societal box that it's it sometimes feels so hard to get out of. And because of that, so many men feel alone and they feel like they've lost purpose. That's why, again, can you imagine that the only choice that you have to escape this living hell is suicide? That's the reality for a lot of men, that the only escape to this monotonous Hell, a suicide, bro. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, a lot of these people don't want to die. They don't want to. But they didn't find any other choice. That's why what me and Mitch do with middle finger mantras and when we go to jujitsu, we invite everybody to come train with us. Yeah. Because when you're getting choked out, or when you're in a Kimura or an Americana, like you can't think about anything else but how to get out of that stuff. Yeah. Right? So that's why I think like we found a lot of fulfillment in jujitsu. And it might not seem like a lot, but dude, competing, that was so fulfilling for me. I was like, holy shit, like I can actually get good at this. Yeah. If I train enough, that can be my purpose. That can save my life. You know? 
And the same thing goes for middle finger mantras. You know, it's it's a group of men that we all get together all the time. Every once in a while, we train uh, firearm, uh, firearm, firearms combat. We do hand hand combat. We do uh, sometimes we do a lot of a lot of weird shit like uh, what's it called like the surfing, like yeah, like breath work, yeah, breath work, well, hape ceremonies, yeah, hape, uh, or that that surfing tide, like whatever. Like it's it's a lot of cool stuff that we do as men, and it's a men's group, and every single one of those guys, I love them to death. Like, those are my brothers. You know, when we go shooting together, when we roll around, when we box each other in the mountains, you know, when we do a hape ceremony around the campfire, I love every single one of those guys. When we do a somatic breath release, like, I have so much love for those guys. Or if uh, one of us has something going on, like an event or um, something where we want to go and support yeah, we show another, up. we show up. Dude, for my competition, most of the guys showed up. That's fucking amazing, dude. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, that made me feel like, wow, these guys actually love me. You know, those are my boys. Yeah. You know? I feel like, like, I feel like as guys, like, we're a little different than than women. Like, we need. Little? Yeah, yeah. Like, a lot. <laughs> Complete I, us, I feel like we need, like, fucking purpose. Yeah, okay. We need, like, wh the why. Yeah, like, a community. Like, I feel like women kind of already have a community. Like, women are very family-oriented, yeah. like, with their sisters and shit. I don't know. But children. But I feel like with guys, like, we need, like, yeah. we need to have boys, bro. We need to have, like. I was on a, I was on a date not too long ago, and I was, I, I was, we're talking about this stuff, and the, I don't know how we even got this topic, but the, she said that she doesn't like when men vent to her or are vulnerable or cry in front of her, which is fair, right? But she made, she, she like, she made the comment that. You know, I don't need to see you break down. Like, why are you crying to me for? Like, I can't solve your problem. And that's that's a fair statement. That's the thing. It's like, for women, women solve their issues by talking about it. Yep. You know, most of the time, they just need a vent. They need to be able to talk about whatever is going on. But for us, and she was right, don't she vent to your woman. Like, you shouldn't, you shouldn't go to your significant other and vent about the problems that you have or cry about it. The only time you should cry in front of your significant other is when someone that you love has died. Otherwise, there is no use to talk about them, about the shit that goes on in your life. That's what you got the boys for. She's not going to understand. She's not going to understand because what can she do? All she's going to do is try to give her, give your, give you her input and you're going to be like, you don't fucking get it. Because she's not supposed to get it. Yeah. And then not only that's going to happen... And it's going to make it even less communicative because she doesn't get it. And you're not looking for her feedback. You're looking for a solution, right? But now she's going to see you also as a vulnerable man. And you know what that's going to do? That's going to dry her up. Yeah. You know? That's why for us, as men, we need those groups. Those men groups, that toxic masculinity groups, right? Where we go fight, <laughs> where we go shoot. You know, where we go fucking be around other sweaty, smelly men. When you really think about it, bro, like, that's how we evolved. Like, when you look at, like, human history, yeah, that's how we evolved. Like, all the men went out and hunted and did their own shit and then came back and then fucking exactly. hung out with the, with the family and everything. Exactly. Yeah. I, talk a little bit more about, like, Mitch, what's your experience with the, the middle finger mantras? Oh, well, well with uh, middle, middle, blah, sorry. <laughs> with middle finger mantras, I think it was a super good outlet for me just because they're into a lot of the things that I'm into. Um, and we, we did get into the female talks and being vulnerable to your female and stuff like a lot of these guys 
they're living the same exact experience as we are, right? Some are older and I would say hey. we're, we're more on the younger side of the spectrum, right? Um, some of them are married, have kids, and all of them have gone through the same stuff that we're going through, just living all separate separate stuff. And to kind of go back on to, to that, Wolf, I think that it also depends on what type of woman that you're with because not every woman is going to look down on you if you do decide to be vulnerable, right? Like I've been with uh, women that uh, sometimes they feel most connected with me when I talk to them about like what's going on with me, right? And sure. Um, so it, it just really depends who it is, right? But like we have heard cases of, you know, men getting vulnerable with their woman and all of a sudden it's like, yo, the the girl can't even look at them the same, right? Because it's like, oh, I lost all respect. They feel forced to be masculine. Yeah, it's like, I feel all, I lost all respect for my man because I saw him cry. It's like, oof. It's like, that just makes a lot of guys, they hear, the guys hear that and they're like, dude, I'm never going to talk to a girl about my emotions. And yeah. it's like, it's already hard for guys for us to talk about 100%. emotional things. And women definitely trump guys on the emotional intelligence department. For sure. Time. So for me, look, I, I think you're right. You know, not every woman is going to be like that. But I think to find a woman that can bring you peace, that will not judge you based on your vulnerability, is equivalent to a woman trying to find a guy who's over six foot tall, who's got size, who makes six figures. You know, it's like 0.01%. Bicep size. Exactly. Yeah. I, I guess the bicep size. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? It's like most women say that. Right, it's like I want a guy with a so six feet tall, eight inch dick, seven figure wallet, like all that stuff. Right, it's like okay, you're looking at like a zero point zero. You ain't looking for a man. You're looking for a financial breakthrough. <laughs> <laughs> so it, I think for men, it's the same thing, right? Because we're looking for that super super rare case of someone of a woman who's very feminine, who's not afraid uh, to to be led, who can be our peace and who we feel comfortable sharing our vulnerabilities who can feel comfortable sharing our vulner our vulnerabilities right so that is a very rare scenario for women at least i mean as a man and that's very hard for me to find it's really it's really tough nowadays i think to to find a good partner in, in both men yeah. and women i agree there's a lot of men that are scumbags as well too let's be honest you know the whole passport bros movement and what's that <laughs> Passport you, bros. You never heard of the passport bros movement? No, so <laughs> basically in a nutshell, American men think that um the Western culture and how um the female uh perspective is, right? Especially I think like OnlyFans has got a lot to do with yes. how men kinda um interact with women now because so much has changed within even the past five years culturally with like that dynamic. And so they feel to find a good woman, you have to go to other countries where you find more uh, traditional cultures. And, and Which, uh, that's you know. the case. However, let's be honest, a lot of these women are just looking for the passport bros to get the fucking visa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's super hard to find a good partner. But when you do find that partner, you got to you got to lock them. That's my thing, bro. I want, I want to hear you guys' opinion. I feel like in any intimate relationship, I feel like ultimately it's the man's responsibility to control the dynamics of the relationship. Like, we can sit here and, like, oh, she's a bad woman, she's this and that, which is very possible, but at the end of the day, you chose the wrong woman. Correct. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, as a man, like, the way I see it, it's your responsibility to choose the woman who chooses you and yeah. then control the dynamics of the relationship. When I, and when I say dynamics, I mean, like, are you a man who's, like, focused? Are you, are you like, 
on on top of your own shit like are you controlling the, you know what i'm saying are, or are you like insecure and and wondering what she's doing blah 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 you know what i'm saying most kind of, women i'll say this most women will say like will will admit that they would rather not have to make their choices they would rather have a guy that they're they're feel they feel comfortable submitting and that's exactly what i mean yeah and want you to take it most people when they hear the word submission they think about it the wrong way it's not becoming that person's slave is being okay with that person's leadership, right? And that's that. That's all it comes down to. Because again, I've heard it plenty of times that the, the women that I've taken on dates before, they always tell me, you have set a new standard for dating with me. It's like every other date that I go that's not with you, I always compare them to you. And the only reason why is because I tell them what time we're gonna meet, I tell them where we're going. I open the doors. I'm courteous. I let them order first. I then I get up to the bathroom to pay for the bill so that way the bill doesn't even come. It's like it's completely different. So they feel they get that princess treatment. And most women, it doesn't matter how aggressive or masculine they seem to be at first, if you give them the opportunity to tap into their femininity, most of them will fall into that. And that's it. So you're right. You, you It's up to you to, as a man to make the environment comfortable enough to make them be feminine enough, right? So you're right. If if the if the woman is too masculine, first of all, again, it always does come back down to choice. You know, if a woman is already very masculine when you meet her, you know what you're going to get. Yeah. You know, it's don't, don't, choose, don't choose a woman who doesn't choose you. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't chase, exactly. you know, like some type of, like, relationship. Like, exactly. she's going to come to you. If she likes you, she's going to come to you. She's going to make herself known to you. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. No, I'm a, I'm a thousand percent with that. So uh, you guys both started jujitsu, right? Yeah. So what's your what's your experience been with jujitsu? Let's change topics a little bit. I've yeah. Been, I've been training for a couple months. Nice. I train over at Red Hawk Academy in Peoria. It's Tim Welch's gym. Sugar nice. Bond trains there. Nice. Bro, Bro it's, it's fucking the soul best. fighters or is that? Yeah. It's well, it was Soul Fighters. Oh, yeah. yeah and changed it to Red Hawk Academy. Bro, it's it's probably the best thing I've I've done in my entire life. Just being around, like it's like we're we're talking about being around all the boys. Everybody's getting after it compete yes. like you might get choked out any given day yes it's a bro, it's yeah. though yeah shout out tim welsh tim welsh is the F go man fucking it, bradley martin yeah i love this i'm just kidding uh it is a good bradley martin impression yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think i saw a video of that yeah, yeah this, what's your what's this experience been with jujitsu i love it dude i love it at first man i, I was getting I, I was i was getting tapped out a lot just because i didn't have the 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 skill or the technique to really defend or move around i was very on the defense side and then once I really started to get it, I was very on the offense. So now it's kind of I'm in a position where I have to train with bigger guys because the smaller guys, usually I can overpower them most often than not. Or I can at least be in a position where I, I won't get choked out or I won't get like arm barred or anything like that because I'm, I, I'm, I'm good at smaller size uh, smaller sized men, right? There's nobody in our class that is typically his size except for recently. Yes, yeah. this Big dude. His name is Boak. Yeah, Sean oh, Boak. He's, Big, he's oh. finally rolling with somebody that's his size. Yeah, now. he's 270. I'm 270. And yeah, that, that guy has been a challenge. Not not because of like his he's stronger or more technical because he's, he's a little bit older, right? So his strength is kind of like uh, tapered down a little bit. 
but he's heavy, right? So I have to really be cognizant and, and really be aware that I can't really just let him take my back or let him just like get on guard and stuff. So that's why I have to really practice a lot more my technique. But yeah, for me, I kind of feel unfair, you know, with the guys because if I get them on mounts, they're not. Bro, the weight, me. the weight's a big deal. Like, yeah, they're not, <laughs> not, not just the weight, but the the power. Like, it's it's a big deal exactly. for sure. Yeah. So a lot of the, yeah. a lot of the guys sometimes they get pissed at me and they try to like, man, it's like, fuck, dude, you're so fucking heavy. It's like I can't fucking. It's like, dude, that's the name of the game, bro. It's like if you're gonna do a, like if you're gonna compete in absolute, you're gonna find some guys that are over two fifty. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. don't hate the player, hate the game. And it's like our coach says too. It's you got the weight, use it. Oh, I'm using like it, that's his, that's your weapon. Did. That's your that's your approach. You, what about you, Mitch? How long you been training for? Uh, I've been training since June. So um, same, same here. So it's 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 been cool, man. Like all the guys there, they some have been training for five years. Some have been in for three, and um, it's I have natural ADHD. So when you're in there and you're learning from the coach, you like you forced to pay attention yeah right i i'm i make it a point to just be as attentive as possible because i am so new um but i am picking it up in in a way to where um i'm not looking goofy now and i definitely do have like sort of a strength advantage when it comes to the guys that are in my weight class uh that's why they keep accusing him of trt use <laughs> i know i get i got uh T's is like uh, one of the guys, one of the coaches, like Mitch. You on TRT, bro? Like, no, I'll natty, I'll natty. But yeah, yeah. Um, yes, it's because some of them I'm able to just muscle them off of me, right, or um, transition out. But um, definitely humbling for sure, man. I think that uh, if you want to, number one, get your cardio up and yeah. just become one with a group of guys that, um, and it, it also depends which school you go to, right? Because every school is going to have their own dynamic and their own culture. But I think I just found such a great group of guys that over at Chandler MMA. I got I got the water bottle sticker right here. Shout oh, out yeah. to the boys. Shout out um, Chandler MMA and Derek. Shout out to you. Uh, yes, sir. Shout out to the Pull up. Yeah. Yes, sir. And I uh, just recently started training uh, more striking. And so I, I kind of grew up more so doing like Taekwondo and striking training, like going to boxing gyms and stuff. And so now that I'm, picking up Muay Thai there's so many other weapons and options that you can get caught with right and so like everything from the stance to your movement and uh everything's just so different than what I'm used to right and some of those guys man they got freaking iron shins and I think I got need like 200 times in the stomach like pretty damn good and Hell yeah. you know some of the even the women in there that I've been training for one or two years like they're whipping my ass right and so it's like okay I'm getting it but um, still have a lot to learn. But man, I, it's so much fun, and I, I just love learning. And um, it's it's such a confidence booster for yeah. sure. It's an interesting dynamic because it's like on one hand it is a confidence booster, but it's also humbling at the same time. Yeah, you know. So one of the things I've took away from it is, you know, I think especially if you've never trained before, you kind of overestimate like your your capability. You know what I mean? And yeah, when you walk into an MMA gym, it's like. You realize, damn, there's there's motherfuckers who are who are dangerous, Rattles, bro. Animals, bro. And I realize too, bro. Like through it, it's kind of like an analogy that I use, but it's a better idea to like form alliances and form friendships with with people in general than to form enemies because you don't really know who you're fucking with, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Like and and MMA and all that kind of stuff is a good like analogy of it, you know what I'm saying? Because in general, bro, you like you don't want to have enemies with the wrong people. Exactly. So you know, it's better off to like form alliances, form friendships, be that kind of person who 
Try yeah. to build those friendships. You know what I'm saying? For, for yeah, for sure, man. I think from the first day I trained at um at the gym because Wolf started training there before me, and he was the one who's like, "Hey, come to Chandler MMA." Um, I started around the time where he was just healing back from an injury, and so when he uh got back into the swing of things, like uh he he was he how long were you out for? Like two months or so? I was out for a couple months, yeah. Yeah. So when I when I got into the swing of things, I really made it a point to just you know, let my presence be known, really like be intentional with, um, meeting people and connecting people and, and just being like, yo, dude, respect. Like that was a good world. And, um, I'm, I'm at a point now where I'm getting respect from a lot of the other guys that we're rolling with. And it's like, dude, hell yeah, you're getting better. Right. And obviously I'm not at their level yet. Cause they've been training for years, but it's, uh, it's cool to know that, um, you're progressing in something that is completely new. Like I never wrestled or anything like that in high school. And so I'll, when it came to the ground, I was kind of like a fish out of the water, right? Like I, I know I can hold my own and like box and stuff like that, but dude, uh, there's, it, it just goes to show, man, like it takes years to even get a black belt in jujitsu, like 10, 12 years sometimes. And you got to be training gi, you got to be training no gi, right? And uh, it's it's such a journey, and I don't plan on stopping, honestly. Like, I want to keep doing this until I'm, like, old age, you know? <laughs> Let me ask you guys this, bro. Um, For somebody who might be listening who maybe they're in that spot where they feel like they don't really have, like, let's say, like, they're a man, they, they feel like they don't really have a community, like, like-minded people around them. What would, what would you guys like what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's true you, know, like, you can always have a community with us man yeah always H- how do you how would you like advice like tap in with with you guys and just so like well first of all it depends right so if they're in arizona hey man you're always welcome you can just hit us up dude our dms like we check our own dms we're not you know hotheads or airheads to get some social media manager to do that so we check our own DMs, you know, so like anybody's welcome to our community. Middle Finger Mantras is always opening up spots and it doesn't cost you anything to be involved with the community. The only thing that costs is the, the trips, right? So anyways, that's one, you know, and get involved with a group like us. Yeah. Uh, number two, if for some reason you're in fucking Idaho or some shit or, or like Arkansas, that's like so far out that people are just, I don't know, separate or whatever. My biggest thing is like there's always some gym. A jiu-jitsu gym, a boxing gym, something. Thanks. Something, right? And the number one thing is to at least go there, right? Whether it's gi or no gi, I think gi allows you to not have to worry about going live that much. It's more of like it teaches you uh, technique more than anything. So it allows you to just show up without having to have the embarrassment of getting choked out or tapped out. So, But if you can find a group of guys that you can do some sort of combat sport, some sort of something physical, you know? I think that's the, that, that's the best thing you can do. Absolutely. If I, if I could add on to that as well, um, I think just being vocal wherever you're at too, like if you're in a desolate area and there's not a lot of other entrepreneurs around you, right, or um, just other like-minded people, I mean, we have these tools that are at our, at our disposal, right? Like social media is one of the greatest blessings and curses to our existence, right? And so I think even something as simple as starting a Facebook group or joining a Facebook group or Podcast. um vocal about your interests, y- you might have people come find you and, yep. you know, create your own tribe that way. Well, that's you exactly what I did with you guys. Really quick, like uh, a quick shout out to Devin Butler, if he watches this. That's how Arizona Entrepreneurs came to be. Absolutely. He said he didn't know any entrepreneur networking groups here in Arizona. So what did he do? He started his own. Right? It's 
I heard this once from from someone. He said that don't try to find or don't say that you cannot find a group of men that you can be around. Become the man that you want other men to be attracted with, you know, that you, you can form a community with. And that's it. That, it. It all comes down to that, right? Again, making a Facebook group of whatever, just fucking Idaho men. <laughs> I don't know, like yep. whatever, dude, like entrepreneurs or some shit. Yeah. And then have people join or whatever. There, there, there's there's a million ways that you can attract people that you want to get around. Yeah, and I got to give Devin Butler some credit too because when I first moved to Arizona, it'll be three, uh, three years in March, but when I first moved here, like the first week, I went to one of their um, networking events over at Schmooze in Scottsdale, and that's where I met a lot of my friends, some of the first friends I ever met in when I moved to Arizona. I still yep. have those friendships to this day. And so just being around other like-minded people like that and being in the mix and being able to feel their energy, getting uh, in uncomfortable areas. Like if you're not comfortable being in social settings, I think yeah. just exposure therapies, just yeah. put yourself out there. I think that it helps tremendously. Yeah. Facebook groups work so well. Cause like, first of all, on Facebook, there's one group it's called Scottsdale Living. That's where I found the mechanic that's working on my Mustang. I literally posted a picture of my Mustang. It's like, hey, I'm looking for a mechanic who works on cars that are old school, 65 or around that age or that age range that has done work in the past before that can uh, give me a little bit of guidance. And a lot of people were kind of just like dropping in in there. And then one guy was like, hey, man, I got my shop, whatever. And I talked to him and that's how I found him. But like that, there's groups in every city, you know, again, like, for example, you can do like whatever city you're in community. And then from there, you can ask, hey, is there any pop-up events where we all get together? Anything that I can attend to, anything that I should attend attend to as a new member of this community? And somebody will respond. They'll find you. They'll find you. Yeah, to piggyback off of what Mitch uh, said with, like, the social media and with the technology, I think a lot of people, like, want to talk shit about social media, talk about all the bad things, but I think there is a lot of great things with it. Shoot, it's like, mm-hmm. don't underestimate like the power that, that we all have at our disposal. Like this this setup did not cost me a lot of money and it, it didn't cost me a whole lot. And I've been able to already meet so many people. That's how I met Devin, that's how I met you guys. Yeah. And it's like, you gotta put yourself out there, bro. Like that's, really that's something I realized that I struggle with because I'm naturally more introverted. And I, I started, I realized, bro, like I'm doing all this work on myself, but I'm not actually putting myself out there and like, building these relationships and it's like man that's what that's what life's all about like the relationship you guys have you know what i'm saying that's what it's all about exactly so people are afraid they're afraid to just get out of their cocoon you know yeah even like one of the things that i did to to get out of my shell was like i joined uh tempe rugby okay you know the 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 group of uh adult rugby like those guys are fucking badass and they were super they were they were super nice people you know, and we, again, we played rugby together. That's another contact sport, you know, that I would like to be able to pick up again, but it's just like my schedule didn't fit correctly. So anyways, but yeah, I agree. People are just, uh, they're just afraid of getting out of their cocoon because they're kind of just like, they're lazy about it. Like, uh, I don't know if I should do it, whatever, whatever. And they just make some sort of excuse. Anybody can make an excuse not to do something, but imagine bringing up a reason to do it. Right. So that's why I see. Yeah. I think there's really no excuse in today's world, man. Like, I think 50 years ago, like, it was kind of tough. Like, yeah. you go down in the middle of nowhere. It's like, man, you really, you really, yeah, you're kind of fucked, you know? So, yeah, these days, there's really, there's really no excuse. Or do what Mitch did, move to a big city. Yeah. Oh, man. That was definitely the catalyst to a lot of the things that I have going on now, man. If, if you just bet on yourself and 
try something else, move move to a different city, right? Um, obviously, if you're growing up in a fast-paced environment like New York, LA, some a lot of those people, they kind of grow up in that industry where maybe entertainments are calling, so they stay in LA or like fashion or uh, working in finance is kind of their calling, so they stay in New York. But um, I encourage a lot of people, if, if you're not liking where you're at and you always feel like the desire to seek more and you feel like you're leaving a lot of things on the table um dude try starting over in another city where you have no connections you know nobody you have no family and that will really kind of show you who you are yeah because man it was tough it was tough for the first uh first like year for sure. um this is my last question bro last little topic i can uh cover with you guys if somebody wanted to get into finance like do kind of what you guys are doing what's like uh some good tips or some good advice to get into the business <laughs> um great question i feel like a lot of people are already trying to get into the field i mean first of all we're a pool of knowledge so if anybody wants to get into the field and they want to ask us questions before they pull the trigger we're not going to try to recruit you we're not going to try to like poach you from a different company if you know exactly where you want to go you already have some sort of agreements that's fine if you want to kind of get some ideas on on what are best tips or what to look out for we're more than open our dms are open we're always available to talk you know but i think youtube university is probably one of the best ways to go to learn right for example if it's infinite banking that people want to learn i suggest people look up doug andrews doug andrews is one of the best coaches out there when it comes to infinite banking, he has some of the best information out there. That's actually who taught me everything I know, Doug Andrews. And he has thousands of hours of content on YouTube. So you literally will not be able to run out of content to watch. When it comes to to lending, elevate capital or just like private equity or, you know, capital raising, things like that. Again, there's a few books um, that you can you can actually read. I forgot. I actually don't know. Don't have the books off the top of my head. Um, but maybe I can kind of give it to you later and you can put it on the description of the, of sure, the yeah. podcast. But there's some books that talk about raising equity. They talk about hedge funds, you know. But honestly, honestly, really speaking, is the number one thing you got to figure out is what do you want to do? Do you want to sell life and annuities? Do you want to sell stocks and um, 401ks or mutual funds? Like, do you want to become a financial advisor? Do you want to become a, uh, you know, do you want to actually raise capital through a VC firm or something like that? Things like that. Sometimes you can't just get in it. You know, you have to kind of be invited to the club. Yeah. It sucks to say, but that's how it is. Because, for example, my partner, our partner, John May, uh, shout out to that guy. He's like one of the best people I know on this earth. The way that he got into the position that we're in today is because he was a banker for like 10 plus years, like actual banker. He was a in, in Bank of America private client, you know, so that's how he started. That's how he got his foot in the door. You know, you, there's some things that you just, unfortunately, you can't just Google, get a job as a VC hmm. capital raiser, you know? You have to also um, keep in mind whatever you're trying to do, because there's so many different avenues you can go in finance. Um, like figure out what your bandwidth is in terms of what you want to uh, commit to when it comes to like the educational side, right? Because for us, I mean, for me, it took maybe three weeks of consistent like cramming to get licensed to sell life insurance. And with that, we can do infinite banking, IULs and stuff like that. But there's other things that you can do uh, that require maybe a little bit more licensing, a little bit more studying, right? So you can't just pop in and be a financial advisor or, you know what I mean? There's definitely a level of commitment, right? Like um, depending on what type of lesson license you want to get to. 
Yep, that's right. So I would say if you want guidance on what to do with finance, like we can probably point you in the right direction. And like I said, we're not we're not trying to we're currently not even recruiting right now. So if anybody from your audience wants to find out where to go, we'll be able to probably point them in the right direction or at least give them some guidance. Otherwise, what I mentioned is probably like a good spot to start. You know, just go on YouTube, learn as much as you can and uh, probably like start working at a bank, you know, or getting your Series 65 license and go work for Edward Jones or Morgan Stanley and then climb your ladder up from there. And that's pretty much it, you know. All right, boys. Well, that's it. That's all I got for this uh, for this episode, man. I appreciate. I like it. that episode, man. This was good. Like was, yeah. We talked about some cool shit. Man. Yeah, I mean, like it, it zoomed by. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, man. This was a good ass time, and we'll definitely do it again. Yeah, dude. I always love having like doing a podcast with yeah, you, bro. It was great. Yeah, it was great, boys. Well, I'll catch you guys later, man. Appreciate yes, it, brother. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Well, peace out.